You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi all, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It is Thursday the 31st of August. Tom Stanley in for Nick as I will be again tomorrow and joined by Newsboy the Daily Mirror David Yates to discuss plenty. We'll be hearing from Jamie Insole who has set up with Dr Richard Newland and uh, they have a, a joint licence looking after a, a flat and jumps team. We will hear from Nick about the Baden Baden Festival. Plenty more to, besides but we, we start with Shaquille and the news that James Doyle will be back on board for the ride in the Group 1 Haydock Sprint Cup. Uh, That takes place the day before the Moulton Open Day or the the visit that um, people in Moulton and around the area can pay to Shaquille, who will hopefully for the team have won yet another Group 1. And Julie Camacho joined me a little bit earlier on, starting first of all, by talking about why she enjoys opening up her doors. We sort of take it all for granted, don't we, that we see these horses and we work with these horses. And, you know, it's just lovely to let other people see and just see how well cared for them they are and, you know, and see behind the scenes because, as I say, it's something we just take for granted and other people, you know, find it so fascinating. And, it, you know, it's humbling when, you know, when people come and say, oh, I'm really pleased to be able to come. And, mm. you know, it, it's, it's, so, it's so nice to be able to do it for, you know, the community and let everybody come and see the horses i think the the outpouring of 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 appreciation and and fandom for shaquille has really that i think that's crossed out of moulton and the north as well and i think i think the whole country has really welcomed him into their hearts well i think it's because you know they're so used to the big boys winning everything and for a small yard to win i think that's what sort of um you know people are happy about and do you think it's about the way he does it as well? The way, um, you know, obviously, obviously we know what happened at Asker and then, um, you know, something similar happened at Newmarket for all the ride was slightly different. I think it's that that he has this this fallible quality to him and yet he overcomes that, which I think really draws us in and makes us appreciate him even more. Yeah, he doesn't make life easier no. himself or no. us watching, does he? <laughs> That's, you've, you've said it much, much more succinctly than me, exactly. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I know people are bored of me saying, but he's so easy at home and, you know, and it was lovely that James came across when it was York and had a sit on him and, you know, I'm sure he found him a totally different horse to what he's ridden on the racetrack. Hmm. So, so is, wait, that's James Doyle, is it, who who rides? It is, for, yeah. So he, yeah. he's on board for Haydock. Yeah. And um obviously uh, you know we you, you've you've had a, a few jockeys recently who I mean I, I felt he was a horse I remember I was there at Newbury when James was on board and I felt going into Ascot thinking oh you might want a rider who knows this horse it's he's not going to make life easy but it's it's amazing what 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 Asheen and Roster have done with him subsequently really oh, and, and great that James is back on absolutely you know it shows the class of the jockey getting on him doesn't it you know, the, the, and they're used to getting on these horses that they've never sat on before. You know, I suppose we worry more. But I, I had the same sentiments as you. You know, I thought it'd be better going into Ascot, and we thought until the last minute that we did have James. Mm. 
and you know so that was yeah disappointing because you know he'd ridden him twice and sort of we got to know the horse and you know and especially with Ascot because you know we just thought it was going to be a massive occasion for the horse and it would just be nice to have somebody on him that knew but I mean the two subsequent jockeys have both done a good job with him haven't they and you know, we're very grateful for that. Julie, what have you done with him since, not just sort of training-wise, but have you, have you done anything stalls-wise, or do you just leave him be? Uh, James and Craig and Jake came over, it was York, and came over to Malton and put him in the stalls. And I think what they're going, well, we just leave it to, to them, but I think what they're going to do is just take the rug off him just before he jumps. Hmm. You know, and they feel that it's the weight of the rug that's making him do what he he has done. So, so the, that, the, the rug comes the rug comes off in the stalls before gates open. Yeah, okay. yeah. He's going to have the rug on to go in the stalls, and then they'll just pull it off just before he goes to jump. I think I think that's the plan they're going to do anyway. We sort of leave it to Craig and Jake. Uh, you know, they're the experts at the stalls, and we just leave it in their hands. To be honest. And have you thought beyond Haydock and, and just obviously depending on what happens, but, but where you'd like to go? I think you'd mentioned that, it, that internationally uh, anything was off the agenda. Is that still the case? Um, nothing's off the agenda. I think Pop, it's, it's hard to say. Maybe at this stage, you know, if Ascot came up a bog, I'm sure Rafe will be doing a rain dance. Um, <laughs> like he was. And... You know, that the plan has always been sort of go to Haydock and then Ascot. But, you know, with horses, everything's fluid, isn't it? Mm. You know, the best laid plans usually go astray. But that was always good. That was always our plan initially anyway. Nothing's off the table, but they were sort of our main plans. Um, great stuff. Uh, I hope, obviously, he wins for you Saturday week and, and that... Um, Everyone is heading to Moulton on, on Sunday to, to, to look at a winner from the previous day. Fingers crossed for Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Well, Dave, the big news there is that uh, James Jordan is going to be back on board. Um, amazing, really, to think what uh, the horse has done with, with a number of different jockeys. But um, James has, has been enduring York to, to ride the horse. And the intention is for him to take the ride again. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a revolving door, hasn't it? Uh, this summer Tom remember that James Dore was on board when Shaquille won the six furlong handicap on the 2000 guineas undercard at Newmarket on Coronation Day uh, back in May then of course uh, he was again in the plate for the Carnarvon Stakes success at Newbury a fortnight later Sheen Murphy took over for the Commonwealth Cup at Ascot James Doyle was uh, required to ride noble style in that race for Godolphin who finished ninth and then in the July Cup it was Ross Orion, who was on board, James Doyle was required by Godolphin to ride at Ascot on that uh, super Saturday, bonkers Saturday, where at least he had the comp- compensation of riding Master of the Seas to victory in the Group 2 Summer Mile. It's um, I remember in the aftermath of the July Cup, we were asking Steve Brown and Julie Camacho who will be on board at Haydock, you know, it's going to be hard to jock Ross Orion off after that performance. And it was left pretty open. And it's it's quite heartening that James Doyle is, is back on board here. Perhaps uh, Ross might not see it that way. Um, but a horse who is sort of learning on the job, a, a, a remar- another remarkable performance 
uh, at Newmarket, where he was slowly away, then made that rapid uh, move around the the middle part of the race, slightly before it, uh, really, and then charged home to beat uh, Run to Freedom. In that six furlong group one, he's favourite for another six furlong group one now in the Haydock Sprint Cup on Saturday week. And as you say, James Doyle uh, back on board here. Uh, He had his first group one of 2023 when Warm Heart won the Yorkshire Oaks at the Ebor meeting last Thursday. He might find that uh, we've got the old London buses syndrome of waiting for an age for one and then two come along together. And it seems as though, and, and you posed this question to me actually before I spoke to, to Julie, uh, re-international travel for the horse. I mean, it seems as though it's not completely off the table, but it, it, it's it's not like they're desperate to, to get this horse on a plane, I guess for obvious reasons, certainly not for now. Plan always been to to take this in and then and then head to Ascot. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the, the difficulty with Shaquille with regard to going overseas and particularly, I suppose, places like America and Hong Kong, where the the gate speed of the sprinters will be exceptional. And so far, over six furlongs, Shaquille has been overcoming that because we know that he's a a horse with a tremendous amount of ability. Um, If he were to drop back to five, and certainly I think that's the plan uh, for his four-year-old career. He's a a colt, but he's going to stay in training uh, next year. The, the difficulty will arise that if, if he's in any way sluggish at the gates, then he's going to be playing catch up. And, you know, we saw, for example, in the Nunthorpe last Friday, live in the dream, trapped, got in front after a furlong and kept going. And even the likes of Highfield Princess uh, and Bradsell weren't able to get him. So that remains a difficulty for Shaquille. And certainly the the, the sort of mood music from the camp in the aftermath of Newmarket was that we want to we want to extend his education, see if we can improve his demeanour and, and that and try and iron out that sleepiness at the start before we take on uh, specialist sprinters overseas, because that's their hallmark, isn't it? The fact that they they trap so quickly um, and that would leave Shaquille in trouble. So I, I see why it's still sort of on the agenda, but it's it's definitely a plan B for 2023, isn't it? If 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 the ground at Asker is is in any way uh, deemed suitable for Shaquille, that's where he'll go, and they'll look at five furlongs and international travel as they try and broaden his education at the beginning of uh, his races later in 2024. Why do you think they are such a popular unit, Dave? Because I think that one of the... Well, I I think that sprinting in general um, engenders, for for many of us, uh, particular interest because we're not just talking about the same old people winning the same races, Aidan O'Brien, John Gosden, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I I listened to uh, the debate yesterday between uh, Patrick Cooper and Lydia on the NLD about the future of the Irish derby. And Lydia has has long espoused uh, the need for making um, middle distance racing more viable for people outside those those sort of behemoth concerns uh, in flat racing and 
it, just look at the look at the fields for the sprint races. Look at look at living the dream for the non thought last Friday. Look at Shaquille. These are quote unquote ordinary people uh, who are winning these races, and that just makes that they're accessible. Uh, the 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 joy that they have in winning is all too evident, and it, it's very warming. It, it's it's great to see those. I mean, um, if if we were to if we were to stop the clock now for 2023 and talk about uh, the best results on uh, uh, the best flat racing results of 2023, of course, we're going to talk about Auguste Rodin. Of course, we're going to talk about Mostadaf. But the 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 results and the, the races, the celebrations that we've enjoyed seeing way beyond all others are uh, Shaquille after the Commonwealth Cup, Shaquille after the July Cup and live in the dream after the Nunthorpe stakes, I think that uh, it, it's it's uh, it's not particular or peculiar to uh, Julie Camacho and Steve Brown, although they are lovely people to deal with, and it's great to see them with a a, a genuine Group One horse. Their story is a very warming one, but I think we can widen this out uh, to the sprinting division generally. And if we could, over the course of the next. 10 to 20 years and uh, you know not all of us will be around to see the the fruits of that labor but if we could make um owning middle distance horses at the top level a more viable uh proposition for people who aren't among the the, the absolute uh powerhouses of flat racing that would make it a hugely more engaging and more interesting sport and maybe we wouldn't have things like uh calls for the irish derby to come back to 10 because 10 furlongs because the race would would would, would be sufficiently interesting for it to stay at 12 for the long term we may be aware of a new dual purpose venture between Dr. Richard Newland and Jamie Insole. Jamie joins me now, uh, travelling back from Goss Doncaster Sale. Um, a, a successful one for you, Jamie? Yeah, very uh, successful, Tom. Um, obviously, the news was announced yesterday. Um, this has been a long time planning now, um, since the middle of the summer. Um, and yeah, no, really excited to start the new venture. We managed to purchase three yearlings um, at Goss. Uh, three, three we really liked. Um, a lovely Havana Gold Colt, a Phoenix of Spain filly, and a Twilight Sun filly. Um, so yeah, no, we're really excited to get going now, and um, uh, we'll be at all the sales, and hopefully we can uh, pick up a nice team of horses for the twenty twenty four season. How much of a, a, a a direct split is this if you like between Richard looking after the jumps horses and you looking after the flat horses or will, will there be crossover yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a split what we're, what we're trying to do is grow the business and be a combined team um, but my main focus now over the next three months will be building the flat team and operation um, and then I think more so is in next year there'll be a lot of um, combining efforts but my job for the next two months is is going to be a lot of sales work and a lot of um, pitching to new owners and new investors to try and get this flat team up and running for the next season do, do you have a vision of, of how many flat horses you want in the yard uh, so 
we'd love to buy 20 yearlings and then make up with about 10 horses in training. So hopefully we can go to war with about 30 flat horses for, the, for, for 2024, which I think is a really good number. Um, and, uh, and the yearlings, you know, the yearlings are going to be really exciting as well. And why sort of dual purpose um, for you setting off on your own, if you like, was was it just this opportunity arose or, or, you know, did did you envisage initially yourself just starting off on your own? Um, so uh, I had a few meetings with Dr. Newland and in his right, he's a very successful businessman. Um, he, you know, he has a few uh, private healthcare businesses himself. And he's been very successful in the national hunt scene. Um, firstly, training from his old uh, Lynn Acres yard, where he only had a limited amount of boxes. He produced a Grand National winner and Cheltenham Festival winner. And um, he recently moved to a um, brand new purpose-built facility. Uh, 62 boxes, brand new gallops. Uh, the most amazing area of turnout paddocks you've ever seen. Um, so... He approached me and we talked about introducing a flat side into the business. Um, I just think of the, the way times are going at the moment, uh, the flat racing is more commercially viable. Mm. Um, but don't get me wrong, my passion has always been jump racing from when I was a kid. Um, I first, I, you know, I rode as a jockey, I worked for jump trainers, and then I went and got my experience in the flat racing game um, but definitely as a business opportunity and, a, and as a business progression um, the, the flat flat racing is, is just much more commerci commercially viable and um, like I said we're looking to we're not looking to cancel out the jump racing but we're looking to grow the business and hopefully expand the business as a, as a, you know, a top dual purpose yard in the country I'm sure it will be, and um, it all sounds very exciting. Good luck over the coming months. No, thank you, Tom. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we um, we can start next year with a bang. Dave, what do you make of the Insole Newland pairing? I think it's really interesting, and and what this is is a a departure from the stories that we've had over the last few couple of years or and certainly the last few months whereby um two people's names are going on a joint license it started off of course i think the the first one was probably uh paul and oliver cole or or maybe simon and ed crisford but we've had then uh obviously john and thady gosden um roger and Harry Charlton, all of those are, are, are father and son concerns. We've also had uh, the likes of William Muir and Chris Grassick, whereby the nature of the operation in all those uh, concerns hasn't changed. But in this case, we have got a change, haven't we? Because uh, Jamie Insole has learned his trade. He he had five years with Charlie Hills and and oversaw the training of the likes of Batash and Phoenix of Spain, winner of the Irish 2000 Guineas. Um, the, the pair bought their first yearling at uh, the Goff sale at Doncaster on Tuesday. What we've got here is very much a, a if not a change of direction, then at least a, a, a slight split in that 
Dr. Richard Newland, we don't think of him as a dual purpose trainer, really, do we? He's uh, of his 500 wins uh, in the jump sphere. One of those stands out, notably Pino de Rey in the, the 2014 Grand National. He's had just 10 victories on the flat. So he's not among the, the likes of, you know, Alan King or, or, uh, or, or Tim East to be the, those, those trainers who operate in both spheres apologies to the the obvious ones that I've, I've failed to list there and there will be very much a direction for this operation now down the flat road uh, i i suspect and we discussed this before uh we we came on air I, I suspect that this is something that we might see more of in the future because flat racing financially is more viable uh than jumps racing so it's an interesting story it's not just a license where um, two people are, are, are sharing responsibilities and resources on the same training license. Thus far, Richard Newland has been seen as very much uh, a national hunt trainer with a, a, a very small interest in flat racing. And as a result of this partnership with Jamie Insole, that's going to change. This weekend, Dave, uh, action from, from Beverly. Uh, sand down elsewhere what catches your eye i suppose what catches my eye most of all tom is the solario stakes at Sandown park on saturday and the the presence there of star law um in the anti-post lists for the Stellar for the solario he is the favorite he's a horse who is trained by sir michael stout a son of kingman and he overcame uh i think quite obvious, visible inexperience uh, to score at Sandown over the, the, the Solario course and distance, the, the seven furlongs at the beginning of last month. The reason that I think that Starlaw is interesting, certainly from my perspective, is that Sir Michael Stout hasn't had a good 2023, uh, an, an excellent 2022, the sixth Derby triumph, courtesy of Desert Crown, and I'm sure uh, we would send... Uh, our best wishes to him as he makes his recovery from that uh, leg fracture. Um, the 2023, the highlight, of course, being a desert crown in the derby. 2023, nothing like as uh, as good. We, we've seen desert crown only once. His career is probably over now on the track. And Nostrum, um, he was a horse for whom they had high hopes, that really encouraging return to action in the Henry Cecil Stakes at the July meeting at Newmarket. And then, of course, the defeat at Glorious Goodwood and a, a really disappointing run at York on Saturday after he finished lame. So it would be really good to see Starlaw win this. Uh, this is a, a Group 3. And then, of course, focus on maybe Group 1 targets. And for us to to go into the winter thinking, right, it's not just Aidan O'Brien who's got uh, the favourite for the 1,000, 2,000 guineas, the Oaks and the Derby. There is also a viable candidate in there for Freemason Lodge as well. So, yeah, looking forward to the weekend, I, I really hope that we see a, a star performance from uh, Star Law. Trained, as you say, by Sir Michael Stout and a news on the rider of last year's Derby winner, Richard Kingscote. Yes, indeed. Now, um, Ahmed Al-Sheikh, he is the, the owner of uh, Dubai Mile, familiar colours, the, the white with the green epaulets. He's been saying for a, a couple of months now that he was hoping to announce a retained 
jockey. Um, I must admit, uh, Richard Kingscott wasn't top of my list uh, when he said that. But yesterday, um, it's all, it also runs under, is it the, the, the green team or team green? green One of those green, two green, anyway. Green team. Yeah. Un- under that banner, uh, they announced yesterday that Richard Kingscott would be retained uh, as their jockey when not required by Sir Michael Stout. So um, that's a, a, a bit of good news, I think, for, for both parties. I, I feel sorry for Richard Kingscott. I think he's had a really torrid summer, and I think he's undeserving um, of of the, the, the cards that he's been dealt this year. Uh, there was that, a, a, a difficult time of it in May when, of course... Um, well, Desert Crown was beaten by Hookham in the Brigadier Gerard Stakes. It turned out that Hookham, of course, was the Group 1 performer that he had appeared in the Coronation Cup uh, the previous summer. He won the King George, of course, at Ascot at the end of July. Uh, there was the defeat aboard Bay Bridge by Luxembourg in the uh, Tassels Gold Cup at the Curragh. Again, I think that Richard Kings got got... He got flack for that ride. He probably, I've no doubt that if he could do it again, he would, um, he would ride that race slightly differently. But even so, I, I think that the, the the flack that he got or the amount of it uh, was um, undeserved. Then there was this quite public jockeying off aboard Desert Crown uh, by Frankie Dottori and then by William Buick. None of those actually came to pass because the horse uh, didn't run. And so I, I, I'm glad that that in addition to his duties at Freemason Lodge. He's got a, a good ally here in Ahmed Al-Sheikh who has plenty of horses in training and plenty of good ones too. And um, Dubai Mile, of course, a, a Group 1 winner himself. The, the the combination got off on the right foot yesterday when Sayadati Sadati uh, made a, a, a rather wayward path to victory at Kempton last night. But I think that uh, it's a... a, a a combination that should bear quite a bit of fruit. And from this corner, at least, I certainly hope that it does. OK, on the eve of a big meeting out in Germany, Group 1 Racing, no less. Here's Nick. Uh, it's a great weekend in, in German racing and bloodstock because it's the traditional Baden-Baden festival, which takes um, in the Group 1 Grosser Preis uh, von Baden on Sunday, one of the most celebrated races in Europe and certainly one of the most celebrated races in Germany. And it's often been a good pointer to, to the Arc de Triomphe as well. Um, plus, of course, there is the, the great BBAG uh, yearling sale. And just for those who are regular followers of the show, um, our Weatherby's Bloodstock slot that we normally do on a Tuesday, we have spoken to over the last year or two, Philip Stauffenberg uh, from Stauffenberg Bloodstock, Frank Dorf from Gestut Rotgen, uh, Nicholas uh, Schenker, Tommy Witt, in fact, we spoke to from Gestut Lundsen, Heike Bischkoff from Gestut Goldsdorf, Ralph Cradle from Gestut Etzean, Gregor and Julia Baum from Gestut Brummerhoff, that was one of my favourites, and Andreas Jakobs from Gestut Farhoff. So they will all be represented in the yearling sale this time with some real blue bloods, and I'm really pleased to welcome to the show uh, the managing director of BBAEG, uh, Klaus Eulenberger. Uh, Klaus, thanks for joining me once again. Uh, how's the mood in Baden-Baden in this week? Hello, Nick. Thank you for having me. Um, the mood is very good. We're looking forward for an exciting week. We had, um, we had the first weekend of racing here um, on, on Saturday and Sunday, which was uh, great to have an, all the people back here at the village of Iffenzheim, close to Baden-Baden. And we have the sale, our, our premier yearling sale, 
only selected yearlings um, Friday. And the big weekend then with the grocer prize of Baden-Baden, which we pushed to 400,000 euro prize money on Sunday. And and for you, where do you feel that the, that the BBAG catalogue sits in the rest of the European sales season? What's your... What's your area of strength? Do you think uh, we we are we are compared to to other sales, especially in in the UK and Ireland. We are a very central European sale. Um, I think that's the that's the big difference. Um, we are we are we are really good in Germany in breeding stairs horses for the the big international mile and a half races, and. Um, that's that's um, the that's the best market here for for these horses, um, <clears throat> especially over the last years. Um, we are we were able in Germany in Germany to improve um, uh, syndicates, which are very succe- successful and uh, growing. And um, yeah, the 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 German Derby was won by Liberty Racing, a new build syndicate, um, two years ago, and. Also, uh, the same guys won the Oaks with uh, Muskoka, and yeah, so that's that's good news for Germany. Okay, so growing syndicate ownership, growing appreciation of your of your stamina laden pedigrees, but classy pedigrees as well, um, and the racing you feel is is enjoying a little bit of a resurgence. I know how hard Germany was hit by by COVID and the prize money particularly, but you feel like you're back on the up. Yeah, we, we you know it, it doesn't make sense to complain, and we we need to to push racing forward. Uh, that's what we do in Baden-Baden. Um, we improved the prize money in the in the smaller handicaps in the maiden races, and um, from this year we we pushed prize money in the Grand Prix of Baden-Baden, the stellar race here, to four hundred thousand euro. We have um, seven runners at the moment supplementary stage is tomorrow and um, we're looking forward to to have a few supplementaries um, especially from france ireland or the uk for this race well it's a one day august sale tomorrow at tattles and here to tell us a little bit more is tattles bobby jackson bobby how's things looking forward to tomorrow hi tom yeah um yes yeah, set for a busy few days here we've got um the august sale tomorrow horses in training um plenty of people about looking at horses already today and then we've got the somerville sale on tuesday so it's a quick turnaround but an exciting time what sort of buyers do you tend to see tomorrow well horses in training here at park paddocks is pretty international to be honest um it's it's a it's a popular sale with vendor and buyer wise um it's a new sale um we brought it in um in covid um and the popularity of it has meant we've still got it going um so we're likely to see plenty of people domestically um trainers um uh, agents but also internationally it's a uh, timing wise the middle east um it works very very well for their season they can buy the horses here um now and then they'll get them over ship them over and give them a bit of time to acclimatize ready for when their seasons start kind of late october um i think the proof of proof is in the pudding um if you look at the past graduates to have been bought at the sale and then gone on in terms of success uh, medal winner won the crown prince's cup in bahrain and zagato won the um, king's cup in bahrain so that kind of shows that it does work um in terms of um, closer to home I suppose um, graduates as well we had City Code 
um, win uh, the Sawawi Cup in Sweden a few weeks ago. Um, so he was bought by Paul Harley and Katyn Eriksson um, for 24 grand and went over to Sweden and just won a big race over there. And then closer to home, in terms of yeah, talking about the domestic market, Brussels was bought for 10 grand um, at the first sale and went on and won um, a Group 3, won the Coral Charge, and Tempest was bought for 25,000 uh, guineas. And he won the Tattersall Sovereign Stakes last year, which is a, a Group 3. So it's there's, there's something for everyone um, in the sale tomorrow. We've got broodmares, fillies in and out of training, and then yeah, the, the horses in training. I suppose there's a couple of obvious highlights on paper. Um, Peking Opera is uh, a three-year-old Galileo colt who uh, was a winner as a two-year-old, won a listed race first time out of the season, and then has gone on and he was fourth in the Irish Derby and was last seen um, third in the Group Three Bally Roan Stakes. Um, so he's going to be consigned by the Castlebridge consignment, who also have a Royal Ascot winner um, in their draft. My Rhythm and Hooves. So he's an um, an unexposed three-year-old, won the Palace of Holyrood House um, at, at Royal Ascot. So yeah, there's a couple of um, three-year-olds there um, that I think people need to pay close attention to. But um, also in the catalogue, yeah, we've we've got some. Smart two-year-olds, actually. Um, we've got the wild card entry, Ala Abra. Um, so she's an Inza Court filly, one first time out for Gay Kellaway. Um, but then also in there, we've got yeah, Man with the Plan, who was a listed listed winner last time out. Um, what else? We've got Ala Emirati and World of Darcy. So they, they, they ran in stakes races at York last weekend, both races in the 90s. So, yeah, there's some interesting two-year-olds there. there but there's one... One that caught my eye actually on Tuesday. I don't know if maybe I shouldn't say this, but he he caught my eye. He won. Um, he's called Art Historian. Won a nursery um, for well, a first time out after a gelding for William Haggis. Um, he's a, an Havana Gray Colt two-year-old. So I think it, it shows that you need to pay attention to the updates because that's something that won't be necessarily on the catalogue page. But personally, I thought it was very interesting. So there's there's plenty in the catalogue tomorrow um, for. Something there for everyone. And then with the, the Somerville sale coming up and um, and then obviously we're not a million miles away from book one, book two, etc. What, what what distinguishes the Somerville sale from the other sales? Um, the, the Somerville, I think the way it's we've catalogued the last one, it's only been the Tassel Somerville sale for two years. It's a bit third, third um, edition and it's, where the the way we've tried to focus the the horses is, is it's your kind of precocious early athletic two year old, um, and I'd, I'd like to think in the last even in the last two weeks the evidence has been there. We had Indian Run win the Tassels Acre, and we had Relief Rally it's, win it's, the it's Group Two Louder. Done pretty well. It's not been bad at all, is it? No, no. But then I I say kind of early two year olds. We then had Anaset win the grade one Dalmar Oaks um, in America as a three-year-old. We've had Bradsell. He was bought for 12,000 guineas. He's won at Royal Ascot last year and won at Royal Ascot again this year. So they are going on. The quality is there. So in terms of <laughs> the sale, um, we, we hope that next week goes well because in terms of the success on the track, it's been pretty astonishing, if I'm honest. Mm. And then obviously the 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 I say the big ones. I don't mean to sort of pitch them as that, but um, we they are fast approaching, aren't they? Yes, yes, it's a relentless time of things here, but it's an exciting time of things. And so, in terms of our work in the, in the marketing team here, we are 
here, there, and everywhere. As I said, I've been to Saudi um, over the weekend. I was earlier in the month. I was in France. I've been to Germany. I'm set to go to Poland in a couple of weeks. And the rest of the team, where have we been? America, uh, Norway, Spain. Um, Jason's off to China this weekend. We uh, we get in some air miles, but it's hopefully then all worth it when when the sales come round and part of Paddock's is chock a block full of people. God, I thought Nick Luck did most travelling. There you go. <laughs> um, Bobby, great stuff. Thanks ever so much. And first and foremost, good luck tomorrow. Thanks very much, Tom. Dave, I just require a tip from you, please. We go to the 506 race at Bath today, Tom, and it's number two, Eye of the Water, a horse who's won a couple of times at Bath and was second there over this course and distance eight days ago. It's actually one pound lower in the ratings here, and I hope that he can get back to winning ways at a venue which sees to see him at his best. 506 race at Bath today. Selection is number two, Eye of the Water. Dave, thanks very much indeed. That was the last podcast of August. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.